Hello, and welcome to The Witching Hour, a pagan podcast about all things pagan. You don't want to miss this episode because we have a new co-host to add to our merry band of pagan reporters and news, stories, and information. So let's get this show rolling. Bill, introduce our new co-host. Hello, everyone. The gentleman on my right, left, oh, he's across from me, is Ro. He's going to be bringing a brand new segment to our podcast. Finally, we'll be addressing a forbidden subject. Okay, maybe not forbidden, but one very few pagans discuss, at least in public. Yep, Ro is going to tread where none of us have tread before, but I think he can explain what he's going to do much better than I can. Ro, the mic is yours. Hey everyone, this is Ro. Um, I consider myself to be an everyday pagan, living a magical life. I am the new editor of the Augusta Covenstead's newsletter, and uh, I'm a new uh, co-host here on The Witching Hour. Back to you, Bill. Thanks, Ro. I'm so excited to get in on your segment today. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. And I will be back a little later with another tarot table. But right now, I'm going to pass this back to that that charming, that mesmerizing, that adorably witchy wife of mine to get us started. Oh, thanks, Bill. I'm still trying to catch my breath. (laughs) (laughs) Our subject for this podcast is from a very thoughtful and introspective piece called Harm None. Reach Deeper, written by Selena Rifkin, and it was she wrote this earlier in, um, in Culture Blogs. Um, any discussion of the meaning of harm none can and should generate plenty of questions. That's the nature of determining our ethical behavior, our perspective shifts as we circle the problem at hand. This is necessary. The reason for ethics is to determine how to minimize damage to others And unless we try to walk for a while in their shoes to emphasize their viewpoint, it's almost impossible to do that. And this includes our own viewpoint. If we didn't need to consider our own desire in any given matter, there would be no need for ethics, which means we need to try to be very clear about why we want something and ideally be aware of the consequences of that desire. Okay, gentlemen, any comments on Miss Ripkin's first paragraph? Well, of course, most every religion nowadays and through time has had the tenet of do unto others as you would have them do unto you, which is kind of what harm none is trying to encompass. Um, you don't want to hurt someone, and you don't want them to hurt you. Yeah. Well, I agree with that, Bill. But also as pagans, we have a responsibility to be accountable for our actions because technically we don't have a golden rule so i would say that our golden rule is be accountable for our actions okay and she goes on to say we might call this being good neighbors how would you treat your neighbor if you want to continue or create a good relationship that in no way means that you must be friends with this person it only means that when you see them in person, that's, that a smile and a wave is easily done. It might be faked. This person may have done something to mildly annoy you, but the fake is easy and can eventually become a genuine smile if the offense is not repeated. Hmm. Okay, Bill, Ro. I'm not sure uh, the fake idea is really appealing to me. Wouldn't it be easier to just casually talk to the person and say, you know, I'm sorry, 
this this thing or action you made kind of annoyed me, and I want to be honest with you and uh, let me find out your opinion, because I really don't want to lose you as a friend. Well, my opinion about this is consideration. You um, be considerate of all humans. However, the not-so-nice of part of me says, don't fake your emotions. I actually owe my neighbor nothing. I don't need to offer a smile or a handshake or wave. I get you. And it's really funny because when we first moved into this neighborhood, which is uh, a modest neighborhood, it's not fancy, it's not unfancy, it's very it's very well taken care of and all that kind of thing. And the first, the first um, oh, what, honey, two years I was here, two or three years? Yeah, I know. I tried desperately to, at least in my immediate little circle here, I was really nice and I baked things <laughs> at holidays and I knocked on doors and this, that, and the other. And it wasn't that people were particularly not nice it was just that that was it you know there was yeah. no reciprocal visit no anything now I, I'm okay with that I, I'm not one of these people that says well if I do for you you need to do for me right right however if I understand that you're not going to do for me ever okay then I'm probably not going to continue <laughs> to come and visit with you or anything like that so I get what you're saying well I'm with that too I just recently bought a house and uh, my neighbors are actually the reverse they're <laughs> over friendly and uh in a way, it's endearing and it's sweet, but I also find it annoying. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, let me live my life and you live yours. And if I feel like waving, I will. But don't be knocking on my door all day long. I got you and I understand. Bill and I, although we love to have company and everything, we do have a hard and fast rule. It's by appointment over only. Does that? I mean, I, when I say appointment, I mean either call either first. call first or we invite. <laughs> right, do you know right, what I mean? So right. we try to do that. If somebody does knock on my door, like for instance, if it was any of my any of my pagan friends or any of my friends, um, at odd times and odd hours, my feeling is there's something wrong, and usually there is. Right. Right. So um, we're open to that. That's okay. Right. So okay. Okay, Bill, honey, could you do the next uh, paragraph because of Miss Ripkins? Because my eyes is hurting me. Let's take the analogy a bit further. Say your neighbor wanted to have a block party, and you didn't for whatever reason, wish to participate. There's no ethical question involved. But what if he found a way to force you to be involved in this block party, perhaps by threatening you in some way? It's easy to agree that this would not be ethical, either if he did it or if we did it ourselves. It seems to me that this would certainly constitute harm. And yet this sort of behavior is routine. Day in, day out, we take turns being victims of this sort of harm and perpetuating it. Ours is not the only religion that has some form of the good neighbor policy, but often such a policy is only applied to people of that same religion. If everyone in a given neighborhood agrees to that block party, it's the way to go, and then there is no need to force anyone to participate. But what happens if the, to the family who doesn't? Because we don't have laws that say that if a majority of people on a block want to throw a party, that everyone must participate regardless of personal circumstances Ultimately, very little of consequence will happen. Okay, guys, we really need to examine this part of, of Ms. Rifkin's essay. I'm not sure, for instance, that anyone could force me into participating in something for whatever means, uh, for, for, for whatever reason. Um, the word threatening is really a bit over the top to me, unless you hang out with strange folks. And to be honest, I do not know what how this type of behavior was considered routine. I mean, help me with this, guys. Am I reading too much into the intended meaning? 
I think she uh, she used block party, and it's maybe not the best of analogies to make. I, I understand what she's trying to say in that uh, you shouldn't try and force someone into doing something they don't, but uh, uh, I think we could take it a little more seriously than block party. Yeah. Well, Bill, I'm glad that you understood and got something for that because, no disrespect, Miss Rifkin, I think you went to left field. Um, your block party analogy lost me. I didn't see relevance in it. However, I will meditate on that and get back to you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. Miss Rifkin goes on to say there are, however, plenty of laws which force us to participate in block parties um, that, a, that are full of people who do not share our ethical values or our idea of fun. By law, I am required to fund all manner of things that I find a boring. Now, these are Miss Rifkin's words. The war on drugs, invading other countries who have not attacked us, uh, prisons for illegal immigrants who have done nothing but uh, contribute to society, eminent domain, land grabs, uh, federal agencies that waste my money, and enact policies that I believe are morally wrong. Anything on that? Guys, I'll jump in there. Okay. With, uh, I understand her point about her income, her finances going to things that she doesn't want to support. Mm -hmm. But on the flip of that, I am quite certain that some of her monies are, um, is going to things that she does support. Um, I know mine does. I I, uh, I don't know. I I don't agree with uh, prisons for the illegal immigrants. However, I do believe and. Um, Healthcare, Medicare, for those who can't afford it. Things of that nature. Uh, how about you, Bill? You got anything? Well, there are a lot of federal and state and local laws and policies that I don't necessarily agree with. But that's why we're a democracy. We're a free country. We have the ability to change those things through voting and through the political um, system that we've set up. Here, here. You can't just rebel against it because we don't like it. I mean, protest is fine but only in a peaceful manner so that our idea gets promoted to people that need to be able to make the changes for it. Okay. Okay, Ms. Rifkin goes on to say, the mistake in any religion is to act as if our spiritual neighbors should share all of our beliefs about what is moral and ethical. We don't like it when it's done to us, and it is no more moral if we do it to others. What pagan values have been or are being attempted to be made into laws? If we are to live together on the earth, Christians or Muslims or Buddhists or Hindus do not have a good ethical argument for imposing their religious laws on other humans. Pagans are not exempt from this. Hmm. I don't ever recall thinking that everyone should share all of our beliefs about um, what is moral or ethical as a pagan, I mean. I, I know other religions do, and I'm sorry about that, and it's really strange, and I don't know, I guess, I, I just, I can't imagine it because I don't do it to other people, so I don't know why they, they sometimes do it to other religions. But I would be mortified if pagans thought that way. What do you guys think? Um, the religious aspect is important to bring up, but... Uh more importantly, I think, is the fact that we're all human beings. We're all part of the human race. And for that reason, we should all 
treat each other how we would like to be treated. And I think in this aspect, the harm none uh, belief that pagans have fits right in. And, uh, I mean, we have to live here together. If we start treating everybody like crap, then we shouldn't expect much better ourselves. I agree, Bill. Um, I actually agree with Miss Ripken on uh, the mistake in any religion is to act as if our spiritual neighbors should share all of our beliefs about what is moral and ethical. I agree with that. I believe that is a big mistake. Uh, however, her, let me get back to it, what pagan values have been or are being attempted to be made into laws? That is a very good question, Miss Ripken, because I have no idea. And neither do I. Um, however, I think it is important to be respectful of other people's um, religion. Uh, the We don't like it when other people do this to us as far as forcing uh, their moral and ethical codes on us. I would ask that you don't speak for me because I actually find it interesting when other faiths, um, Christianity, I've spoken to many Christians, uh, a couple of Hindus, and I don't know any Muslims, but I think it's relevant to learn from their co uh, their beliefs as well, because it can enrich your life in some way. I think that's entirely possible. I haven't had much experience with that. I do know, um, I have been to the Muslim temple here, so maybe one day you and Bill can go with me and we'll go. That is fantastic. We'll I would love that. Them, yeah. Miss Rifkin wraps up her blog with this. Being comfortable with feeling the, t the rightness of a given law is not a good reason to ignore how it negatively affects others. The question I would ask, does harm none apply only to pagans or does it apply to all our neighbors? Now, I know how I feel about harm none and harm none is part of our given tenets uh, for pagans and harm none just means exactly what it says. I mean, this is not a, a, a complicated uh, concept. Harm none means harm none. Um, how about you guys? I agree with you. Even more basic, harmonon means to me, just be a good human being. Yep. Don't go out of your way to be, excuse my language people, shitty to another person. Very good. Sweetheart, anything to add? No. Okay. It's my That's shitty good. comment that wins. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and now, drum roll. It's time to turn this whole next seg segment over to Rope who will take us on a maiden voyage into the world of pagan politics and how we can help change or improve the current climate of order. Well, this is going to uh, speak about uh, current events that are happening and what we can do positively as pagans, both mundane and on the etheric level. Um, mundane, we can vote, we can write letters, we can peacefully protest, in a, a good manner, so that we're taken serious and not looked at like we're a bunch of tree-hugging woo-woos. On the etheric level, I would say that we could focus on things like blessings, protecting, offering love to those who need it, um, offering discernment to those who need it. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at with this. Uh, this is all my personal belief and opinion, um, but what do you guys think about that? Do y'all have any ideas of what we could do as pagans, since this is a pagan podcast, to encourage. In fact, I'm going to go on before you'll jump in okay. and offer a challenge okay. to all you pagans out there listening. Be active by voting, writing, and offering up what is good to those in need. All right, you guys have at it. I don't know what I have to add to that because that's absolutely correct. And by the way, um, uh, I might um, 
especially the vote part and especially the getting in, getting in touch with the people that can um, affect change. And that means people on every level from your pagan uh, group, Covenstead, whatever you call it, all the way up through the state, all the way up to uh, Washington, D.C. Please, please don't think that your letters and your calls and your uh, peaceful protests don't mean something. They do. They absolutely. absolutely do. And if you do it enough, you will be heard. Bill? Every vote counts. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else, Darlin? I'm sure you could be heard. <laughs> well, um, if you have nothing to add, I believe that it is now time for your tarot table. Um, so what do you have for us, Bill? Well, today's reading is from a new favorite of mine, a new deck, The Wild Unknown Tarot Deck by Kim Kranz. It's kind of a down-to-earth, easily read and understood deck with a lot of descriptions and a very human kind of divination. Kind of brings you closer to nature and the things on earth that affect us the most. So here's the reading. I hope you like it. Uh, I'm going to be kind of general because I'm sure Tom or Sally or whoever is listening to this program uh, is going to take the reading and put it toward their own life if that's what they want. Think about what confronts you. Try to imagine the cards in a manner which you can understand and fits your life in particular. The first card drawn, which signifies kind of the past or what is... Uh, making you what you are now, is the sun, the 19th card in the major arcana. And just for a brief description, imagine for a moment that you're soaking in the warm rays of the sun. It feels nourishing and healing. All your aches and pains just fade away, unless you're in Georgia when it's 200 degrees out. <laughs> the sun card brings this amazing energy into your life. Vitality and health abound while you feel assurance and clarity in all that you do. Spend some extra time outside today. Be grateful for the radiance of the sun and the life force it gives to all creatures. The second card, which is kind of you right now, drawn is the moon, the 18th card in the Major Arcana. In many ways, the moon card encompasses the idea of the wild unknown. It's the shadow realm, the place where dreams, fears, and mysteries are born. Much darkness can linger here. And if you aren't careful, this can lead to periods of anxiety and self-doubt almost as though you've lost your way in a house of mirrors. Many great artists have roamed this inner landscape. It's where imagination and creativity drift freely upon the midnight air. And the card with which the other two are leading to is the future, or how this is going to affect your life, is the Mother of Pentacles. This deck takes the king and queen of a particular suit and calls them the Mother and Father, which I think is a nice personal touch. The Mother of Pentacles excels in the home. She knows exactly what to do while raising a family and tending to the tasks of daily life. There's a potential for her to identify to become wrapped entirely around her children and home, which leaves her needy and attached. This is the cause of most of her turmoil. She often has qualities of a healer and is very connected to nature. So basically what this is saying is, with all three cards, is we're very tied to the world that we're in, both the human world and the world of nature. And we need to take those things which are available for us to use, use them, and don't be overwhelmed by the toils of our everyday life. I love it. And by the way, you listening, um, this deck is beautiful. It so is. It it's out. gorgeous. It really is. It's different. Way different. Yeah. yeah. And it's a nice homey feel when you look at it. it I mean, really I don't know how else to describe it. 
Yeah, well, you have got such a gorgeous collection. Some of yours are look like they belong to sheiks, royal sheiks or something. They're so uh, gorgeous and ornate. But this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's not only Definitely. done on a um, a matte like a matte finish, and it's just a lovely deck. So, is that the end of your reading, my darling? That's the end of the reading. Please let me know if you'd like to hear anything in particular, or hear any kind of description, or if you have a favorite story of a tarot reading that you'd like me to talk about. Okay. And uh, thanks again, Ro. I really appreciate um, you coming on. And I want to just tell the people a little bit about your other project, which is for Ancient Path, the Covenstead in Augusta, Georgia, which is one of the largest and best in the CSRA and maybe the largest and best in the state because they uh, they hang together. They do community service. They are very, very involved with each other. And um, uh, David Harden is the high priest there. I'm the elder mother priest, and um, Roe is also a high priest on his own, and uh, he has joined us, and he's bringing lots of wonderful things to us. But the thing that I'm really most impressed with right now is his Ancient Path newsletter. Um, Right now, it's short and sweet. I don't know how much more he plans on adding to it, but this is wonderful either way. It's beautifully done. It's very, very uh, uh, unornate for the time being, and it's very easy to read. And uh, just to give you an idea of, when is the next one coming out, sweetie? Um, August 12th. August 12th will be the next one. This one, for instance, and this one was for July uh, 2018. And um, the, the, some of the, just some of the things he had in this was the gift of um, air. And uh, he gave you a, a whole exercise on uh, the counting breath. And inside was an article on who were the Celts. We all want to know that because this is a Celtic uh, Kevinstead. And um, things like, uh, darling little things like um, the kitchen witch's table, which uh, will have, what's it called? Recipes. Recipes in it. My God, I cook all the time. I should know this. (laughs) Anyway, you're going to love it. And I think it's going to grow and become even more beautiful. And um, the do you know when the next for the for for our Covenstead? When is the next? Uh, the next meeting? Not the next meeting, honey. The next submission date. Oh, I'm sorry. It's mm-hmm. August the seventh. August um, the seventh. August the seventh. And you would send entries or request um, a newsletter at ancientpathaugusta at gmail dot com. That is A N C I E N T P A T H. A-U-G-U-S-T-A at gmail.com. Did you get that? And if you didn't, just give us a, a, a ring or give, not a ring, give us a, send us a message. Well, you could give us a ring, I suppose. But um, <laughs> right now, what I'd like for you to do is just send us a message and say, I want that, uh, I want to know more about Roe and I want to know more about how to uh, submit to Ancient Path Covenstead newsletter. And don't forget to let us know what the hell you want on this show. We are trying to do our very best to make it wonderful and fun. I hope it has been for you this time. So I hope you had fun on your maiden voyage, Roe. I've enjoyed it. And it's time to fold our tents once again. I hope you had fun, my darling husband. I did. Okay, good. And um, I hope that it was informative and um, interesting to our visitors. We would love to hear from you. And there is a place on the podcast that makes that possible. Tell us what's important to you. Tell us what you'd like to hear and how often. So, Bill? Rob, wake up. Rob's the guy that makes this all possible. We'd be mud without him. Mm -hmm. Do your magic. Make it spectacular. Of course, you always do. And we'll all see you next time. Thanks, guys. 
The Witching Hour has been brought to you by the Coil Entertainment Network. Check out the websites both for Coil at coil.us and thewitchinghour.com. If you want to contact anyone on the show with those ideas that Elle's looking for, here's the email address, thewitchinghour at coil.us. Don't forget to show your support for the show by stopping by the Witching Hour section of the Coil Shop and picking up a Witching Hour t-shirt. And hey, while you're on the website, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or even YouTube. And like the show on Facebook. There's buttons for all that on the website, thewitchinghour.com. 